Thanks for listening to the Pop Culture Cosmos and the PCC Multiverse. Check out more great podcasts today on one of these awesome affiliate networks. You're listening to a Weeby Geeks Network podcast. You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. The Tangibound Network. Check it out. Tangiboundnetwork.com. Listen to this show, the latest episode, every time. A proud member of the Gun and Geek Network. The opinions expressed are those of each individual. Check out all the other geeky podcasts over at gunageeknetwork.com and get ready because geekiness begins in three, two, one. On this week's episode, is Comic Con still the event you must see? The old guard is heating up Netflix. And is this the death of Xbox Live Gold? All this and more as we once again delve into the pop culture cosmos. Welcome to the pop culture cosmos. And we're back with another episode of the pop culture cosmos. This is Gerald Glassford from Pop Culture Cosmos, Game Source, Inside Sports Fantasy Football, and the Lakers Fast Break. Truly appreciate you listening out there to all of our great shows. And if you can, please give us that five-star review on Apple Podcasts. We truly appreciate it. You can also always get a hold of us on TikTok, Pop Culture Cosmos. So Pop Culture Cosmos on Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, and of course, Pop Culture Cosmos at Yahoo.com as well. Hopefully you get a chance to check out our awesome shows on Lakers Fast Break. I've been doing a ton of interviews there as we're previewing the upcoming NBA season or what's left of it. So I hope you get a chance to check that out. Plus, check out all the great stuff that we're doing right here at the Pop Culture Cosmos. But it wouldn't be a Pop Culture Cosmos without my good friend. He's the Josh of Pop Culture for Pop Culture Cosmos. you got to check out what he's doing today at PopCultureCosmos.com. His awesome podcast super bs and also as well topicocalypse and of course his book congratulations you suck which you can get right now on amazon and barnes and noble it is my good friend it is josh peterson what's up man what is up what is up this is a big week you know we got comic-con we got the uh, xbox games conference we're supposed to hear uh, I saw the uh, good folks at Microsoft said there's going to be a Halo announcement in six days. Lots of uh, lots of good stuff coming up this week. I hope so, my friend. I hope so. And that's one of the things we're going to touch on when it comes to Comic-Con. Of course, like you said, the Xbox Live conference is coming up as well. Hopefully, we'll get to see a lot of good stuff there. It's now Xbox, your turn. The ball is now in your court. Let's see what you can do because PlayStation 5 has already gone ahead and put down its money as far as all the stuff that's coming to it so let's see what xbox is going to do and we're going to talk a little bit about xbox and the impending death of xbox live gold coming up later in the broadcast plus also as well knowing and fine is scheduled to be on the show to go ahead and drop just a few minutes of knowledge about what's going on with the latest paper mario also as well we're going to be talking about the old guard it's not as old as you might think. It's brand new to Netflix, and it's rising up the all-time charts for the top 10 original movies for Netflix. We're going to tell you how well it's doing coming up later in the program. And also, we're going to be talking about free, free, free 
with the frustration and the growing prices that are up there with when it comes to having to get all these streaming services because we once had an age where we were just in free television where there's just only a few channels but it was free but we always wanted more channels now that we got more channels it seems like there's a trend possibly coming back into free streaming services so we're going to be talking about that coming up later in the program as well but first my friend it is a comic-con preview i'm gonna hit you up with the first thing before we go into detail on any of the days and i'm bringing up right now as far as the comic-con home the schedule that they have different events going there and i'm showing it to our fans out there on facebook live but i wanted to ask you this my friend comic-con is going to have no marvel and no dc they're both doing their own events this year is that going to be a problem and does that mean that you're probably not going to go ahead and watch anything at comic-con this year it's not that they're not going to have a presence per se like they're still doing you know their things revolving around dc and marvel properties you know like there's a reunion of the animated x-men series there's a reunion for constantine the 15 year anniversary which would be cool if he made an announcement saying like hey i'm gonna do the justice league dark movie that would be rad uh you know there's also like a wonder woman type thing talk i think it's for an animated film but it's not yeah we're not getting like the big dc film panels big marvel film panels and that, that's so I'm, I'm looking at this schedule and uh, first of all, let me ask you this. And this is going to show like how little marketing they've done for this Comic-Con thing. How, how do you watch this? Do you have to pay for it? Do you have to buy tickets? Is it just something that's online for free? It's just online for free to the best of my knowledge. So I'm, I'm, maybe there's some pay avenues so that the Comic-Con can get some cashola. I don't know if there's anything outside of that. But yes, I know for the most part that a lot of these panels are going to be free. So that's a good thing in a sense that everybody will be seeing these things live and as it happens obviously a lot of these shows these sneak previews are going to happen there's going to be a lot of trailers going out there's just not going to be anything as hard hitting as what marvel and dc can usually offer and that i think there lies the problem when it comes to whether or not comic-con will have the same impact it always does each and every year Right, and that's that's what draws people to, and it's not. I honestly, I don't think that it's the panels per se that draws people to Comic Con. I think it's the the environment, the stars, the the ability to dress up, all the comic retailers, you know, hawking their wares around the uh, the expo, not the expo, the uh, convention center. Like it's that is what brings people to Comic Con, you know. And I'm looking at a lot of this. Like I am, some of the stuff looks interesting. You know, I'll be honest. Like it would be cool to see. They're talking about the Edgar Rice Burroughs universe. You know, it'd be cool to say, hey, maybe, you know, we're we're making our own live action Tarzan, like straight from the uh, Edgar Rice Burroughs estate. We're making, we're teaming up with so-and-so to bring another Tarzan or a John Carter or something like that. You know, and even looking at the... Uh, I the love the Charlize Theron, and we're going to talk about more about her in a second. I, I love this one. Yeah. Evolution of a Badass. <laughs> Evolution of a Badass. Yeah, that looks really cool. Like a lot of this stuff, though... You know, I'm looking at it in the same way I, I I saw a lot of the panels, you know, when we were at the Level Up Expo, a lot of panels on like how to do manga drawings and how to do cosplay and stuff like that. That's what a lot of this stuff looks like. A lot of this looks like it's going to be put on by people that have podcasts, you know, and it's like that's 
that's the vibe I'm getting. Not the not like the big presence, you know. You, you're right, Marvel, DC. Like I'm looking on here, there's no Dark Horse isn't on there, so I wonder if they're doing their own thing too, or you know, all the the big comic publishers, none of them are going to be here. And that's uh, I don't I wouldn't say concerning, but it just like it removes the uh, the excitement, you know, the 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 buzz that you you feel when going to Comic Con or like thinking about Comic Con. Absolutely. And I know it's not going to have the same effect or draw that it has with people. And like you said, they haven't done the greatest job of marketing. But then again, in the past, my friend, San Diego Comic-Con really didn't have to go ahead in recent years and market it themselves. They were so reliant on everyone else, all the acts, all the shows, all the movie companies, all the production companies them doing the work for them and then also just it sells out instantly as far as the tickets were concerned each and every year you you couldn't get a ticket there unless you knew somebody or the tickets sold out instantly and it was just so hard to get a ticket there i've been trying for years to get press passes to it i'm trying to get even just regular passes to it and it's just been so difficult to do so so now you have the situation where they need to go ahead and help market it and I think that's the problem with that. They weren't used to that type of situation because Marvel, DC, and all these other production companies, they usually do a great job of marketing it themselves. Yeah, because they, they have those things saying, hey, we're doing a panel at Comic-Con and things like that. You know, and, and you know, I, this, I might be wrong here, but, you know, in my own opinion, and this is one of the shows that I blame for Comic-Con becoming the thing you know, the monster that it has is Big Bang Theory, right? Big Bang Theory is not on the air anymore. And so they're not, every episode has some kind of reference to Comic-Con that had a huge following and they're not on the, they're not talking about Comic-Con anymore either. You know, it's just like, it's, I don't know. And I I look at this, like, again, I think half of the fun of going to Comic-Con is being able to dress up or buy comic books. And I don't think that this is going to, I'm sure there'll be a lot of views for a lot of this stuff, but I don't think it's going to happen on the days they're scheduled. You know, I think if it pops up on YouTube, it'll be something that gradually gets more views over time, but it's not going to be the event that they think it is. And that would be a shame because of the fact that it is now for the first time going to be truly accessible to a great degree to fans all over the world because we're going to get a little bit of a taste of it more than what we see at just select panels and whatnot. Now we will go ahead and for many of these panels, be able to go ahead and look inside and see what they're all about, even from the most mundane or or low key panels to all the way to some of the higher profile panels uh, that are there. So I'm, I'm hoping I will go ahead and get a chance to get, uh, to take a look at least some of these panels because I want to get the kind of feel for what they're doing and what it's all about. But you're right. It, to me, it's lost a little bit of that luster when you don't have your big one-two punch, your big Coke and Pepsi, your big to-do when it comes to not having a DC or not having a Marvel there. But I'm just saying that right now, it's just it's kind of lost a little bit of its flash. And the other thing I want to ask you is this, with the same thing happening to E3, as you and I have seen over the past two years, with certain individual publishers, i.e. Sony and some others pulling out or doing something else around in and around that same time. Could this be the start of a downfall for Comic-Con 
because if Marvel and DC really like their standalone events, I have a feeling they're going to go ahead continuously year over year. And the fact is, with Marvel, you still got D23 on top of that. Yeah, I mean, and I'm I'm curious how that's going to work. But yeah, I honestly I think that you know COVID nineteen, the the lack of people being able to get together, I think that's the nail in the coffin. And either that or do you think that maybe it was an, an inevitability that these companies were going to outgrow the these these cons and conferences? You know, I look at something like Sony, right? We talk about that. Sony is, you know, they have their big show at E3 every year, and then they just kind of sit on the floor for all this time. Yeah, they have people lining up to play play their games, but ever since they opened E3 to the public, the people who are supposed to be in there writing about the games can't do it because they have to wait in, in line forever to do stuff like that. And, um, you know, with Marvel, like, yeah, how, how long do you think it would have been until they have they outgrew Comic-Con? You know, it's it's a question of, like, how much money can I make if I tried this on my own, and is it worth the risk? It could be worth the risk for a lot of these uh, people that are out there that or these publishers these companies that are out there what we talk about all the time with e3 i'd love to see them get back together for e3 because i think e3 still is that one event for the video game industry that unites the press and the media and fans and casual fans alike all in one event so it's not as advantageous for a playstation or microsoft to do their own events I don't think they get across as across to enough people as much as they do if they do it within the confines of E3. Now, when it comes to Comic-Con, that could be different for Marvel because Marvel and DC are large enough, especially with Marvel, to the point where they can have their own entity, their own platform, and go ahead and make as just as big a splash as if, as if they were at Comic-Con. So... I think it's kind of a little bit different there because I've been a very great proponent of, of E3 still solidifying it, it together. But when it comes to Comic-Con, I think maybe DC and Marvel, in the long run, may be best suited to go ahead and have it separately outside of Comic-Con. And that would hurt Comic-Con greatly. That would hurt some of the luster that's there because Comic-Con has been built upon all these entities in Hollywood and mainstream media all from all around the world congregating together to go ahead and share the love of pop culture. And if Marvel and DC does branch out on a permanent basis outside of what you were talking about, I mean, there's there's still a little bit of branches from each that are involved within the confines of Comic-Con even this year. But the major entities when it comes to and the major announcements that comes when it comes to DC and Marvel, if it if it starts to branch out permanently in their own platforms, I think that's going to be a bad sign for Comic-Con going forward. Yeah, I mean, and again, like, look, if, if they see growth and profit from something like this, and it, it's that could be that could be the end, you know, that could be them branching out and then the end of, like, Comic-Con, the end of E3. Like, they would have to, E3 and Comic-Con would have to focus, like I see on this page here, like we have, you know, the Comic-Con schedule, we, we have a lot of like indie publishers doing things here, right? Panels, they have IDW doing a panel for kids, you know, it's like this is the the chance for the smaller publishers to kind of 
get out and get known, you know, and I think that that's not necessarily a bad thing, but if they can do it right, then it could be a, a, a great thing for people who haven't been in the spotlight before, you know, look at how much of Comic-Con revolves around Marvel, how much of E3 revolves around Xbox and PlayStation. Like you don't really get, if you're a smaller developer or a smaller writer, you don't really get this kind of opportunity. No, you don't really get that kind of type of opportunity where you're still able to go ahead and reach a lot of people and as I was showing while you were speaking, some of the just the events that are taking place during the course of the this upcoming Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday deal at Comic-Con, it's going to be interesting to see if there's going to be some announcements and there's going to be some reveals and there are going to be some trailers being shown off. That's a given. But will it have the same kind of impact as if it were a year with Marvel and DC? This may be a good thing for some smaller entities, some TV shows, some movies that could make a real impression and ones that may not make it as big of an impression if Marvel and DC were there. Because as you know, let's say a movie like Tenet, we're all waiting for that to come out, but they they have a trailer there that they want to show off at Comic-Con later this week. I'm not, I don't know for sure if they are or anything like that. I'm just, I'm just using them as an example, but let's say they do. It now will have a much bigger impact because it will be one of the higher profile outlets that's going to be there as opposed to on a year, let's say, when Marvel shows off the Eternals trailer or DC shows off the Wonder Woman 84 trailer. It gets bombarded by all these other trailers. So if you're doing something independent with a different IP, this might be something you might be able to take advantage of, at least for the short term right now, if Marvel and DC don't come back. Right. And I also think that like this gives Comic-Con an opportunity to be what it was meant to be, you know, like a trade show and a chance for people just to show off what they've been working on, you know, and with all like the, the buzz, you know, with like legendary pictures and Warner brothers and Marvel and even some Disney stuff popping up at, at Comic-Con all the time. Like you're selling tickets to people who are just going to watch those things. They're not out walking around the floor at all. And I, I think that this is could actually be, you know, assuming they go back to a live format, I think that this could actually be a good thing in the long run, not having Marvel and DC there. But I mean, and still have them there in some capacity. Like I would have representatives there, but you know, keeping the the big panels out, I think, could be a good thing for them. Well, if you're interested to in seeing what's on the slate for Comic-Con, just head over to the official Comic-Con International San Diego page at Comic dashcon.org that's comic dashcon.org it's right there for you it has the display of what's coming up i'm going to be excited because there's still some things there i want to see and i'm hoping to get a chance to check out i'm hoping that they're like right there on the marquee what it says right there on the front page that the boys hopefully will be showing awesome stuff i'd love to see that going on and plus some other great series and movies that are still going to be there showing showcasing their wares so I'm looking forward to it, even though it's going to have not the same panache as it would normally would be without Marvel or DC there in a major fashion. But there's still a lot of great things that people should be looking for at this year's Comic-Con. What are your thoughts out there on this year's Comic-Con? Are you going to be watching the event now that it's pretty much going to be a virtual event shown to the entire world on the internet? Share us your thoughts. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. And also as well, Pop Culture Cosmos, Humanic Media, and Game Source on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And now, 
Pop Culture Cosmos on TikTok as well. You're listening to the Pop Culture Cosmos. Don't touch that dial. Wait, do, do people still use dials? For the latest news and information, analysis and opinions on the Los Angeles Lakers and the NBA, check out the Lakers Fast Break podcast today on wherever you get your podcasts. Well, my friend, before we go ahead and get into our discussion of Ghost of Tsushima and Xbox Live Gold, I want to go ahead and say that we're now officially Facebook gaming streamers. If you are inclined or so inclined, you can now go ahead and send us out some stars and some subscriptions. And, and just we truly appreciate it if you can. That's Pop Culture Cosmos on Facebook. But yeah, you'll get to see our streams now. And, and now we're, I guess part of that whole Facebook game streaming community. So we really want to go ahead and thank Facebook for that. And if you can, please give us that shout out, subscriptions, stars, whatever you can do to support us right here at the Pop Culture Cosmos. It would be truly appreciated. But my friend, you've been playing some Ghost of Tsushima. I wish you were streaming that, my friend, because I know a lot of people would be interested to see what you have to offer when it comes to the Ghost of Tsushima. Yeah, I I am going to do some streaming. I've just been very sporadic in my uh you know my my time playing it so but yeah so I'm, i'll tell you about ghost of tsushima it is a very beautiful game really beautiful color palettes you know i don't know if you guys saw that in the trailers but you know with the the way the uh the, the cherry blossoms and the 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 way that the grass moves and the the red leaves falling like it's a very very beautiful game like it, it feels Remember um, it's 2008's Prince of Persia game where you it was all done in watercolors? Like that's kind of what this feels like, but it's 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 crisp and defined. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean it looks really beautiful. It looks just awesome. The detail to me, the fields and the foliage. I know people are just going like, why is he looking at the plants? To me, yeah. it's something that the way they're blowing in the wind, the way that they're rustling when he's walking through them or running through them or doing anything interacting with them is to me just, like I said to you before, Josh, I mean, we're seeing some of the finest work of this generation because it's at the end of the generation, which you will usually find is that these developers know how to maximize these consoles. Well, I feel like they put a lot like they truly pushed i'm not sure what if is unreal or what was used to make it but they truly pushed both the the development software and their the playstation 4's capabilities to its max for this game you know and i haven't had like the helicopter problem like the last of us part two has had but it's a i don't know like it's just it feels unlike the world feels unlike anything i've ever played on the playstation 4 and like you know that's I, I've that's saying a lot because I only seem you know I only play like the bigger games on PlayStation Four you know I don't go or on PlayStation I don't go back and play some of the smaller ones like I play the hits mm-hmm. and this game definitely like it is it is beautiful you know and onto gameplay and narrative and stuff like that it is a it, it's one of those games where like you really have to like Sucker Punch did an amazing job and like I said on the last episode I think it speaks leagues that a game like this that is based on Japanese culture made by Americans would do well in Japan. You know, Japanese game reviewers are giving it very high praise. Well, let's see and how it sells first. That's the big key. You know, with this game though, it's like, it, it's one, you have to, 
you know, I want to talk about the narrative for a second. Like, it's one of those things where usually with open world games, like people like to come and go out of them. You know, they like to play for a little bit, play something else, come back to this at a later date. This is one of those games where you can't do that. And it's not just because like it's the game is so immersive. It's because like you want to play more. You want to know more about the world. You you want to know more about the characters and this guy's life because it's just it feels, you know, it's cool and it's it's fun and it's like it's also tragic at the same time learning you know this guy's backstory and you just you like you really feel for the character and like i i keep wanting to go back and play this game like usually i'll 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 play four or five games at once but like i want to play this game even like right now as we're talking and um you know and as for the the gameplay you you it's cool because the weapons have an upgrade system but it doesn't just let you do it you know, like in Assassin's Creed, you can go up to like a blacksmith or you can go up to someone who who does the dye on clothes or whatever it is. And you can uh, you, they automatically give you access to all that stuff, you know, like depending on where you are, how far you are in the game or what your level is like you can get access to certain things on this one. They don't let you do that. You have to do quests. You have to invest in characters and character development in order to get access to these upgrade systems. And I think I've never played a game like that before. And it's just it feels more satisfying when you finally, you know, you you rescue the the priest and then you get access to the bow and arrows, you know, and you you, uh, do all these missions to gather materials and then you get access to upgrading your weapons and armor and stuff like that. Like I've never played a game that immersive before and it just it feels so satisfying. So it makes me want to go and do all the side quests and they don't call them side quests. They call them stories. You know, go explore this guy's story and this guy's story. So it kind of it doesn't make it feel like you're doing chores. It makes it feel like you're expanding the universe, and I think that that is really, really cool. And last thing I want to talk about here is the combat. What are your thoughts just watching the combat from someone who hasn't played it? Well, I I've heard about the lack of a lock-on feature, and I think that's something that people are gonna. I think that's going to be divisive. Some people like the challenge of not being able to lock on one opponent and having the situation where you're going to have to try and, and think fast and react quickly. Some others just like the easy concept of going ahead and just focusing, well, like probably like me, just focusing on one aspect and trying to finish off that opponent before you go on to the next. Because in video games, a lot of times we, we like being handheld like that. Uh, but I want to hear your thoughts on the combat. I mean, that's the main thing about it because... From what I've seen, the combat has been very fluid. Uh, but again, when you're playing through it and the fact that you don't have a lock-on feature, is that a hindrance or is that something you find as an extra challenge? It's an extra challenge, but I also think is it's helpful because in, you know, back to Assassin's Creed, for example, like it, it's, you have, you know, when, the, when you're getting attacked by people, you'd attack, one person attacks you, then another person attacks you. They don't all, you don't have multiple attacks at once. In this game, you do. So you have to dodge, you have to reflect or deflect, you have to do counterattacks. Like, I think a lot of people saw that this was a samurai game and they were expecting to go into it the same way one approaches a hack and slash like Devil May Cry. You know, they're going to it just expecting to be able to just like swing away, dodge, roll, swing some more, uh, do combos and stuff like that. That's not how this game works. Like, it's you have to be, you know, just like. I'm sure the samurai were, you have to be very strategic in how you attack, how you deflect, how you approach different things. You know, you can bring your bow out, 
while you're fighting, you can hide from the bushes. They have these things where as soon as you go into a conflict, you can uh, you challenge one person, and if you win that duel, it kind of it makes the enemies just a little bit easier. Like it, there's there's a lot in the game that though it doesn't have the feel of like your your normal hack and slash game, like Dynasty Wars, Devil May Cry, things like that. It just it feels more satisfying because you're not having your hand held, like you're having to figure out how to do things on your own and it, it i think it take it really takes the game one step further and may and immersing you in this character well definitely something that people are going to have to go ahead and check out it's a game that has done very well i'm hoping it will follow in the same footsteps as the last of us part two which is now i think from what i'm seeing on the sales charts because it was reported earlier this week that based off the last 12 months it's already in its first few weeks in the top 10 of the past 12 months for video games. So Last of Us Part Two has done so well. I think it's probably already one of the fastest selling PlayStation exclusives of all time for the PlayStation 4. So that's great news for that game. And if this game can follow anywhere near in its footsteps, that'll be a great thing indeed because we're now seeing some of the best works available for this generation on the tail end. And we're seeing these developers maximize this console as best they can on its way out, essentially. I mean, there's still going to be games made for the PlayStation 4 with mine for at least the next two, three years at least. So let's not go ahead and, and bury the PlayStation 4 yet. But we're seeing the best intentions of these developers you know, before the PlayStation 5 comes on the scene. And the Ghost of Tsushima looks like it's going to be a quality title that people can go ahead and get. At any point in time and have great fun with what are your thoughts out there on the ghost of shishima pop culture cosmos at yahoo.com plus also as well pop culture cosmos humanity media and game source on facebook twitter and instagram and pop culture cosmos on tiktok as well hey this is chad from ghost toasters and you're listening to pop culture cosmos podcast coming soon zero cool films presents Action Figure Adventure. Super Collector Jay Bartlett hits the road once again in search of Action Figure's most iconic and noteworthy and rare figures, all in the name of creating the most ultimate action figure auction ever. He fronts the cash that charity benefits in the end. What will he get, how will he get it, and how well will he do? Find out November 1st, 2020. But my friend, there's still more to come. And in fact, we're also going to have Noah Ian Fine come on later on the show drop some knowledge on us on what's going on with the latest paper mario but i wanted to talk to you right now about xbox live gold xbox very quietly discontinued its 12-month cards and 12-month program out there for its membership still has the xbox live game pass but xbox live gold is now only available in one and three month subscriptions which could be a very telling sign that the future is not going to be with Xbox Live Gold when the Xbox Series X comes out. So I want to hear your thoughts, my friend. Is this going to be the impending doom and the impending death for something that I appreciated? Now, mind you, you had to have liked the free games that came every month to it. It did also give you access for the multiplayer. So they're going to have to figure out another way to go ahead and, and allow people to have access to multiplayer games. But I want to hear your thoughts on possibly the impending death of Xbox Live Gold. 
You know, I had I I read about it and there's really not enough detail about it for me to really speculate. You know, my first thought was like maybe they're going to do there's something they're going to be doing in in terms of like connecting it to Facebook, you know, because they just got that partnership. Maybe they're going to do make that part of like the Facebook games uh the platform know, or whatever it is. Yeah, yeah, and that's, you know, that was my first thought because I'm I'm sitting here thinking like this is Xbox Live, you know, this is a service that's been here for gamers for a long time. I've had it since its inception, and it, it, it's the easiest dashboard and setup that I have ever seen in my life. Like, I love it. You can just invite someone to a party and scroll through games. So I just, I wonder if it's not Xbox Live Gold, what's it going to be? And, you know, the most logical conclusion here is it's going to have something to do with Facebook. Well, that's that's a good guess. And please, if you have those stars handy, please, if you can send them out to us and send them some love, we would truly appreciate it. And we'll hopefully get a chance to see that. And thank you on the air for doing that. But Xbox Live Gold is something that's been around for a long time. Do you remember getting the set back with the original Xbox with the with the airplane game and the, you know, you had the headset, the little headset too with it. And then you remember hooking it in for Halo 2. I mean, I, I remember that, my friend, before they started giving free games. And to me, that was what Xbox Live Gold is the first memories I have is getting the whole kit. And then remember, just for like I've said before on the air, two years straight playing nothing but Halo 2 on Xbox Live. So having Xbox Live Gold for me was a must for most of my console life. Well, to me, like the big thing with that, yeah, Xbox Live Gold and Halo Two. Or I should say, my most of my Xbox console life, because you'll you're so quick to point out that I've had such a long life. Period. I I've I got so my first Xbox. I got the original Xbox probably six months after it came out, and it was a graduation present from the eighth grade for me. But yeah, I remember I was obsessed with Halo. I still kind of am, but I mean, like I, I remember played the first one over and over again. I was so stoked. I, anything I could get my hands on having to do with Halo 2, like magazines, uh, toys, whatever it was, I can get my hands on that would raise the uh, the hype level for Halo 2. I was all over that. I loved reading about it. I loved looking at pictures. I was so stoked. And then, yeah, Halo 2 came out. Found out you could play with friends on Xbox Live. So, yeah, I remember the big the box was like, I don't know, is is like the size of a collector set of DVDs, but you know, it had the headset in it. But what really like got me on the, the Xbox Live Gold bus was the fact that like I can download new maps for Halo 2. That was it right there. And I was I was sold. Not granted a lot of those maps weren't really that great, but you know, I, I still it was just the idea of downloading new content, you know, and I was so happy to dish out the twelve dollars it Wasn't cost Terminal one of those? terminal um there's like that weird desert one that had the diagonal slash through the middle there's like a space one too that had like a big bright oh yeah no i I remember getting all those updates too so you said you got that for your eighth grade graduation no halo 2 didn't come out till the following november No, but the xbox um, live the box oh the xbox live yeah i got that in like july or august after after my eighth grade graduation so yeah the same last last week <laughs> I got you back for all those old man jokes. <laughs> you did, yeah, yeah. I'm, the, I was the youngest eighth grader with a beard, so. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> but I'll tell you what, Xbox Live Gold, we have great memories, my friend, and it's just something that I'd like to see continue 
but it's obviously something that they're going to go ahead and now change and think that is passe and they're going to evolve it into something else. So it'll be interesting to see though, and I want to ask you this, with what, 50 million plus Xbox One units that are out there, because they're still, yes, they're, they are dropping the digital versions of the consoles, but they're still selling the regular versions of the consoles to the best of my knowledge. Why would you drop Xbox Live Gold if, you know, obviously for something else for a new console, that's fine, but you're you're intentionally trying to shut off the individuals that have your Xbox 360, the Xbox One right now, that still have it. I'm a I'm little bit concerned that they're doing this a little bit too soon. Yes, you can still go buy for one and three month subscriptions, but to me, I understand that's trying to force you into Xbox Series X. But is that really a smart move? I don't know. I I feel like this is not just for the Xbox Series X. I think they, they've been planning this for a while. Maybe there's some kind of like complete overhaul they're doing because people are still buying Xbox 360. So, I mean, I don't see them creating a system where they're like, well, you have an Xbox One, an Xbox 360, you're, that, you're kind of screwed there. Like, I don't see them creating something like that I, I see them like creating a service that's going to expand across all of the xboxes and because this is a big service and this is a big thing because all of their live and you know that's another thing i hope that whatever this new thing is your previous purchases will transfer over to it but like this is a big big move so they're they're planning something a, a complete overhaul of the system a a new uh, operating system so to speak you know the windows Windows 10 for Xbox or whatever it might be. Like, there's something going on here. And I think they've been working on it for a while, but I don't see Microsoft being a company that leaves people who own older consoles high and dry. I hope not. And you and I both know that, well, like you said, Xbox is going to be having the announcement this week. They're going to have their press conference this week. Is that correct? Yes, it's on Thursday. It's supposed to be some cool things going on. Some cool things that we're going to have to report on for the Friday show then. Uh, and that that's the case, that's going to be great for us. But I'm, if that's the case, I think there's going to be, hopefully, an announcement for a new successor for this Xbox Live Gold. And like you said, how it will not only embrace the Xbox Series X, but still be able to go ahead and support Xbox One and even Xbox 360 owners hopefully going forward, that won't be able to drop $500, $600, whatever the cost will be for the new Xbox Series X right away. So that's that's what I'm hoping that that's going to be the case, that like you said, they won't leave those older customers high and dry. What are your thoughts out there on the possibly impending death of Xbox Live Gold? I enjoyed the free games with the service. I obviously enjoyed the fact that you could go ahead and get so many bonuses from it and of course the fact that you could go ahead and play multiplayer because of it but xbox looks like they're going to be doing something different in the not too distant future what are your thoughts on the possibility of xbox live gold going away share us your thoughts pop culture cosmos at yahoo.com also as well pop culture cosmos humanity media and game source on facebook twitter and instagram and pop culture cosmos on tiktok as well my friend there's still more to talk about before we hit up Noe and Fine and his thoughts on the latest Paper Mario, want to get in this real quick. Old Guard. The Old Guard starring Charlize Theron, who we were just talking about earlier in the show as far as her upcoming panel on being a badass. She was a badass, all right, in The Old Guard. 
It's out now on Netflix. A lot of people are enjoying it. And in fact, if you go ahead and take a look at some of the stats that Netflix just threw out there, which they don't do too often, as you're looking on Facebook Live, you're seeing it on the screen right now. These are the original movies that they have and how many people have seen these films uh, in their first four weeks. You see Extraction with Chris Hemsworth, and you and I talked about that and mentioned that before, that this is the first real big hit for Chris Hemsworth that's not named Thor or any part of Avengers or Marvel Cinematic Universe. This has been a huge hit for him, Extraction, with 99 million viewers in the first four weeks. Bird Box, that came out to a big hullabaloo back in the day, not too long, what, about a little over a year and a half uh, just before December, I think December 27, 2018? Yeah, yeah, they just also just announced a sequel to Bird Box. So yeah. I guess it's going into well, with 89, uh, production. Well, with 89 million people seeing it in the first four weeks, wouldn't you make a sequel? I would, but I don't know how, like with the way the movie ended, I don't know how they're going to do that. So hopefully it's clever. Uh, I hope so too. Spencer Confidential, 85 million. Six Underground, 83 million. Murder Mystery with Adam Sandler and Jennifer Aniston, 73 million. Six Underground had, of course, Ryan Reynolds in there. The Irishman, the one that we talked about for so long about uh, being an Oscar contender with Robert De Niro and Al Pacino and Joe Pesci, that's 64 million. Triple Frontier with Ben Affleck and a lot of other stars in it, 63 million. The Wrong Missy at 59 million, The Platform at 56 million, and The Perfect Date at 48 million. Some really big views there, but The Old Guards, which is still, still not even finished with its four week run, is already at 75 million. So it will be somewhere very high on this list. And that's a big win for Charlize Theron and possibly the future of that being a series or an IP that could continue going forward. So when you see these kind of numbers and the old guard getting uh, pretty decent reviews, it's not getting super tremendous reviews. It just shows you that you don't need those super tremendous reviews for Netflix original movies because as you, I mentioned there, they're either somewhat lowbrow comedies or really just popcorn action flicks for the most part when you're looking at that top 10. So I want to hear your thoughts on that as far as Netflix original movies is that what you're expecting? What you, you what you look forward to as far as just going ahead and getting that those basic action or comedy genre type deals when you watch Netflix original movies because they certainly seem to be supporting itself on that platform. Yeah, I mean, I I, I don't remember if we spoke about this, but you know, I think that Netflix is a great place to do an action film. You know, especially like if it's not franchise based it's probably not going to succeed in theaters anymore just because that's the new landscape, right? Yeah. Um, you know, unless you're Christopher Nolan. But the Netflix is a great place to experiment with things. It's a great place to um, do the a movie like Ryan Reynolds' Six Underground. Like, a lot of this stuff, Extraction, or what was the one with um, Oscar Isaac and Charlie Hunman? That was Triple, uh, Frontier. Triple Frontier. That one is yeah, still like, on the top 10 list. Yeah. Yeah. These movies that you don't necessarily know are going to do well. Like this is a great place to really experiment with things because yeah, it costs money to make them, but you're not, you, you have people who are not paying $20 a ticket and they will sit down and watch it. You know, people will 
my with my knowledge, you know, my knowledge of movies has taught me this that people will consume anything at the right price. Twelve dollars a month is the right price for you know an over the top action film. Absolutely. So it seems like it's something that a lot of people want to see. And with Netflix closing in by the end of the year, two hundred million viewers or two hundred million subscribers, excuse me. It looks like it's going to be something that the the plate is just going to get bigger and bigger and bigger. So it, it's going to be something that a lot of people are going to go and check out. The action thrillers, the comedies, even the drama movies that are there. I mean, there was obviously The Irishman was the, the big notable of it. And even that has scored in the top 10. I don't see The Five Bloods yet. I, I'm hoping that will also land on the list at some point in time because that was also a very acclaimed film from Spike Lee. I'm hoping that will go ahead and land on the list at some point in time when they update it. But my friend, there's still a lot of people out there that want to see these type of films on Netflix. And you're right. It seems to be a great platform for it. Yes. Also, listeners, um, if you have if you're into stock markets, uh, everyone's predicting that Netflix is going to do really well in the coming months. So, uh, you know, do the Robinhood app, invest a dollar cash app, whatever you use a dollar, two dollars, like you could see, you know, a pretty decent return on that stuff. But uh, Netflix, there's a lot of analysts and even like entertainment writers are predicting big things like big announcements, more shows, more content, stuff like that. So uh, Netflix seems to be, they seem to have a future for them. And you could have gotten that for a dollar. For a dollar. But no, I mean, whether or not you invest, like there people are saying that, you know, the Netflix productions are just going to get better and better. So, I mean, even keeping that $12 a month subscription is, it seems like a pretty good investment at this point. And the budgets are becoming larger and larger. But the thing is with Netflix, they can still improve their stock yet report massive losses. They're one of the few companies that can report that they're, they're just, they've got a lot of debt. They've got a lot of losses, but yeah. heck, as long as well, that subscription so, base keeps rising, things are still right. Going up. Right. They're so they were, they did the Amazon model, right? Where like, you're in debt for so many years and then finally you're supposed to start turning a profit. I think it was 2022 or 2023 where yeah. they reported that they are actually going to start turning a profit. And it, at that point, you know, it probably would be smart to have stock in them. And, you know, this is a good time to buy because the stock prices are relatively low for them. No insider training there. So if you, the SEC comes knocking on your door just tell them josh of the pop culture cosmos sent you it's no insider training no insider information there <laughs> let me show you my login info for robin hood <laughs> no that's quite all right that's quite all right what are your thoughts on the old guard have you enjoyed it i know a lot of people have been watching it it's already on its way to being at a high place on the netflix all-time top 10 for original movies what are your thoughts on the old guard we'd love to hear your thoughts popculturecosmos at yahoo.com and of course popculturecosmos wherever you get social media and please if you send us out some of those stars we would always truly appreciate it as well coming up next is no ian fine he's going to go ahead and drop some knowledge on the latest paper mario and then josh and i are going to close out the show it's going to be the return of free tv coming up in our near future we're going to talk about that coming up in a sec this is the pop culture cosmos 
If you need your video game fix, be sure to check out Retro City Games. Located in Town Square on Las Vegas Boulevard or in Henderson, Nevada, Retro City Games has the cure for all your video game vices. Retro games and games for current consoles, Nintendo, Sega, PlayStation, Xbox, and more. Retro City Games has all the staples from any library and some highly collectible offerings too. So pick up a few games today at Retro City Games in Town Square on Las Vegas Boulevard or in Henderson, Nevada. Retro City Games is your video game metropolis. All right, and we're back with the show. Once again, it's Gerald Glassford coming right back at you here from the Pop Culture Cosmos. Just want to real quickly go over with a few minutes with my good friend, Noe and Fine. You got to check out what he's doing today at Hunnic Outcast and also Hunnic Ween as well. He wanted to stop by on the show to go ahead and talk about Paper Mario, the Origami King for Nintendo Switch. It's out now. It's getting a lot of acclaim. A lot of people are liking it. Metacritic has a score right around in the 80s for it. So really solid reviews. So I want to hear your thoughts when it comes to Paper Mario, the Origami King. This is a very disappointing slash frustrating game. So if I can dealt my hand right now, I'm just playing it just to see how it ends. But the fun factor, I can tell you right now, the controls gameplay, I give it about a two and a half out of five. Story, I would give about a four out of five because it's interesting. It feels very nightmarish. But to, to, to keep, you get a lot of coins. I mean, you'll get coins in, in, the, in the quadruple digits. I mean, right now I have about 13,000 coins. But then you have to walk back to a section of the kingdom and because Paper Mario was paper, he could actually fax himself from one kingdom to another to get back to the main kingdom to go into a shop to purchase items, weapons. He'll walk across park benches where he can sit and replenish his health, but you're going to be spending a lot of time battling a lot of enemies, collecting a lot of coins because you have to keep repurchasing weapons and fire flowers and mushrooms and making sure you have the right badges to make sure you can survive in a battle. That can be very frustrating. So fun factor, this one to me is about a 0.5. Well, uh, that's a shame to hear that you're not having the greatest of experiences with it, but it is good to let everybody out there know your thoughts. One last thing I want to ask you before we head on out, and that is the controversy that was stated as some of the developers of Paper Mario, the Origami King, stated that they were not allowed to use some original assets uh, and characters from yeah. the well-known Super Mario games that it's based <laughs> off of, which seems yeah, to me I kind know. of ludicrous since it's all eventually coming out by Nintendo. one big happy Nintendo family. It seems like the way that they're acting that Paper Mario is the forgotten stepchild of it all and is not being allowed to go ahead and succeed on its own. Yeah, I, I read that in IGN and I've, I've been trying to see. I know that Intelligence Systems is also part of this Paper Mario series, but again, I mean, people have been commenting how hard is it to take a Goomba, make him like five times bigger than Mario, put an eye patch on him. We had a lot of interesting bosses. We had the Koopa Kids, they went away, then we had. Uh, Bowser Jr. Uh, that introduced himself, I believe, in Super Mario Sunshine for the uh, GameCube, and then people wanted the Koopa Kids back, and I don't, I, I can't remember the last time we've seen them. But with the Paper Mario games, we did have a lot of interesting 
bosses and enemies. Now the bosses are these elementals. You, you have earth, fire, wind, water, you know, and then you have Mario fighting stationary. He's fighting a giant colored pencil case. I found that he's going to eventually fight a giant roll of scotch tape with a tape dispenser. He's going to fight a giant stapler. He's going to fight a giant pair of scissors. I mean, I get that it's a Paper Mario game. He's going to fight stationary. It uh, sounds almost like a, a walking advertisement for The Office Depot. Yeah, exactly. I mean, pardon the pun, it sounds good on paper, but at the end of the day, I still have my old school systems. And you know what? I've been playing Super Nintendo more during the pandemic than I have been with the Switch. I just dusted off the Switch for Origami King, truth be told. And once I'm done with Origami King, I don't see the replay value. It's going right back into the closet. Hopefully you will be dusting the old Switch off anytime soon because it sounds like you did not have the experience that you were hoping for with Paper Mario Origami King. Once again, I'm speaking to Noe and Fine from the Hunnicween and also the Hunnic Outcast. You got to check out what he's doing today at Hunnicween and the Hunnic Outcast on Facebook. My friend, thank you so much for sharing your thoughts on Paper Mario, the Origami King, and I look forward to speaking to you again right here at the Pop Culture Cosmos. You're listening to the Pop Culture Cosmos. Want to thank Noe and Fine for stopping by with his knowledge on the latest Paper Mario. You can go ahead and check out what he's doing today at Honey Queen or also the Honey Outcast. My friend, before we head on out, I want to go ahead and talk to you about... Well, actually, you actually brought this up to me, and you did it in an unknowing way. When you were talking about, on the last Friday show, the PCC Multiverse, you were talking about how... You just cannot afford Peacock because it's just one more subscription service that you would have to pay and get into. And the frustrations are you might want to check out the free stuff that they have to offer because they have a free tier. Peacock did come out last week with a free tier, a $4.99 tier, and a $9.99 tier. The $9.99 is the ultimate premium where you get everything that they have to offer with no ads. $4.99, you get a lot of things that they offer that's ad supported. And then the free is they give you what they want to give you and it's all ad supported. But when it comes to what they have, they've showing a lot of movies that are ad supported, including the Matrix movies, I think Jurassic Park 3, if memory serves, Fletch movies, The Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. There were a lot of quality movies that are on the list for free that you can get there with just ad supported, which got me into thinking with Crackle, Pluto TV also making a name for itself and being recently purchased by CBS Viacom. So CBS will be starting some love that way because we are not sure what's going to go on with CBS All Access going forward. There are some outlets there now that people can go ahead and check out for free. Now, mind you, it's just going to be like the old, like what you're watching now on broadcast television because it's going to be ad-supported. But you do that on YouTube anyways for the most part. I want to hear your thoughts, my friend, on possibly the rise and return of free TV in a streaming format because people would get just so frustrated with having to buy so many different streaming channels. You know, it's interesting you said because I still pay for Hulu and I have to watch like 10 minutes of commercials for every 20 minutes I watch on there. I, I wouldn't be opposed to it. I just like at that point, though, like a lot, I know a majority of people 
they they do streaming services because they don't have to watch commercials you know and at that point like why turn to streaming services why not just keep your your cable package and that's uh you know that that's the uh big big question there that i'd like to have answered but it's i think it's a it's a viable option you know and it, it just if you have something that somebody wants to watch though i don't think they're going to have a problem paying that ten dollars a month until they're done watching it you know like peacock has they just adapted aldous huxley's brave new world and like i'm fascinated you know maybe i'll i'll check that out to watch that show would you get it the 499 yeah, tier which is ad supported or would you get no, the 999 no i would do the 999 one until i was done and then i'd probably cancel it until there's something else i wanted to watch but it's just it i i feel like paying for a streaming service you know, if I'm paying that the 4.99 tier and I'm still having to see like a butt ton of commercials, I don't, I don't know if that's something I'd be interested in. If I was paying, you know, if I if it was free, and I still got access to a lot of things, had to watch commercials, I guess I could I could cope with that. But you know, You've had I don't to cope understand with it, that. What all the years of your life watching broadcast? Yeah, television. right, right. But I mean, like as far as like if I'm paying anything really, even if I was paying three dollars, I wouldn't want to watch a ton of commercials. Like if they did every forty-five minutes or two commercials, that could be fine. But I just I if even at four ninety-nine, like I wouldn't want commercials on there. It's going to be hard for people to go ahead and continue to pay that service and that service and that service. And as the total starts getting thirty, forty, fifty, sixty, seventy dollars for all these different streaming services, a lot of people might revert back and say, you know what? Maybe I don't like the stuff that's going on broadcast stations, but maybe there's enough out there that's free. That I can enjoy on streaming services are out there. I'll just watch the ads and have no problem with it. Yeah, I mean, and there, I'm sure there's going to be plenty of customers for something like that, and it's actually fairly clever marketing because you know you could even fill those commercial slots with your premium content, and then people will be like, oh, maybe if I've seen this commercial 30 times while watching The Matrix, maybe I do want to see this show, and they'll end up paying the ten dollars they need to watch it. I don't know. It's just like it. It depends, you know, and like most of the, I, I have to look at the content list, but I mean, if there's something that I want to watch bad enough, sure, I'll watch it with commercials. It's interesting to see how this will work out for Peacock. Again, they're kind of on the fence whether or not they're going to be a big player in the industry or not, because we're not sure based on original content or based on the things that they have, whether or not long term that they will go ahead and be a player with HBO Max and Apple Plus and Amazon Prime and Netflix, and Hulu, and Disney+, Plus, and the list goes on and on seemingly. But as these prices for all these things going forward get higher, as inevitably they will, it's going to make a lot of people think, you know what, I'll either go back to broadcast TV, or I might switch to these free streaming services and just take what they got. What are your thoughts out there on free TV services that are out there like Pluto TV, Crackle, also the free tier for Peacock? Does this interest you greatly? And do you think with the frustration that might set in as far as paying for all these streaming services, do you think this is a route you'll take, reverting back to the way it once was when there was just free TV? Please let us know. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com Well, my friend, it's been a great episode. Cannot thank you enough for hanging out with me again. You know, I got that shot in you earlier. It's actually kind of funny, and I kind of enjoyed Guys, it. Um too young what can i say that should be my my tag here young josh i accept the title 
You recently had a birthday, man. You're you're not as old as you think. <laughs> thirty two is the new twenty two is what the the magazines always say. So then what's the new fifty one? I'll, I'll deal. What's the uh, twelve? You know, it's a... <laughs> <laughs> okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. But any last thoughts on the way out? I probably won't have time to check out a lot of the Comic Con content. But if any of you listeners out there want to. Take a look and send us an email at popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. I would honestly love to know your thoughts on it. We'll be reporting all the major news, the major events, the major trailers on our Pop Culture Cosmos Facebook page. So please like us and follow us there. Again, on any of our streams, if you go ahead and send us some love on the stars, we truly appreciate it. Again, our subscriptions, subscribe to us. Anything you can do to support our show either on Podbean or Outlets or here on Facebook Live, anything that we do, YouTube, we just truly appreciate you going ahead and supporting us right here at the Pop Culture Cosmos. So for Josh Peterson, this is Gerald Glassford. It's another beautiful day in paradise right here in the Pop Culture Cosmos. Thank you for listening. And here's hoping you have yourself a great Everyone these days could use a little support, and your friends at the ESO Network are no different with the ESO Network Patreon. The cool thing is, is when you help support us, it's you who will benefit. With four tiers starting for as little as 25 cents a week, you can listen to some of your favorite network podcasts early, hear exclusive content, maybe get some ESO swag, or even possibly take a shot at the geek seat. All you need to do is sign up at patreon.com backslash ESO network. You're listening to a Weeby Geeks Network podcast. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping through Amazon.com or the Tee Public Store, which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network. Your station for all things geek. Tangent Bound Network. Let your voice be heard. Tangentboundnetwork.com Thanks so much for downloading the Pop Culture Cosmos and stay tuned as more great podcasts are on the way. Thanks again for listening to us here at the Pop Culture Cosmos.